Hello, this is Janet from JanetSandberg.com, and you're listening to the Phoenix Wisdom Podcast, the weekly show that talks to peers and professionals who open up about their darkest moments when they felt like ending it all, why they didn't, and how they transformed their lives in order to triumph over the darkness and despair. Please remember to subscribe if you'd like to hear more inspiring stories. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix Wisdom Podcast. I am your host, Janet Sandberg, and today we are joined by Becky Ogden. Becky, welcome and thank you for being here. Can you just start by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Tell us who Uh, you are. Absolutely. Who I am. So yeah, I'm Becky um, and um, let's see here. In order of a significance that pops out to me, I am recently divorced um, from a man I have loved all of my adult life. Uh, So that's, you know, that's 30 years. Um, And he unfortunately descended into the bottle and um, a pit of depression that uh, was hostile and angry a lot. And it just wasn't a good situation. And I couldn't love him out of it. so we we our our emotional ties were severed uh, earlier um, this summer. Um, so I you know nobody else would know this, but pro- just just prior to you uh, pressing the record button on this, uh, I was telling you that yeah I'm eyeballs deep in this again, and I wasn't kidding when I said that. You know I I've, yeah. I've been through suicidal ideation before, and and I'm kind of there again, but not as intense uh, because I've been through it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why. Um, so we have three kids together. Um, our oldest is almost 25. Uh, he's uh, enlisted in the Coast Guard, active duty, um, and engaged to a delightful young woman. Um, our second child is almost 22. She's married, um, and she works at a chiropractor's office. Uh, and her husband is is absolutely wonderful as well. My kids so far, knock on wood, very blessed with their uh, significant others. And then our youngest is almost 15. Um, I have always homeschooled our kids. Uh, so, you know, I, I started homeschooling back when it was still weird. Um, right. <laughs> and we were in the, in the days of Yahoo groups and, and stuff. Um, I just recently started a Facebook group for other divorced women who are also building or scaling, uh, businesses, uh, because I wanted connection with other people. Um, most of my friends are happily married and good. I'm glad, you know, I don't want anybody to deal with this stuff and it's better for society when more people are happily married. Um, but that's not my story anymore. And I need connection with other people, uh, that are, that kind of get it. And so I started that and yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I am. All right. That's, yeah, that's, it's a lot. It's a lot to I be going be through. Lot, there's yeah. like, there's like some great highs and some low <laughs> lows. And, and I feel like that's kind of just life. Um, yeah, a lot of the times. And unfortunately, sometimes our brains only like to focus on the low lows. Mm. Um, and, and we kind of get stuck there. Can you tell us about the first time that happened? Uh. Yes. Okay. So the, the first time that, that I um, actually knew what was happening um, was uh, in 2007, I had something that's called a complete molar pregnancy. Um, if you are not familiar with that, it is, uh, you know, conception occurs, but no baby forms. 
um, in your, your placenta goes crazy, um, pumps out horrendously high levels of HCG in your system, makes you really sick, makes you get big really fast, and it's not a good thing. Um, right. it, you have to have a DNC, um, and then you have follow-up uh, care uh, that involves um, x-rays um, to make sure that it hasn't turned cancerous, um, and weekly blood draws until your levels of HCG go down to zero. Um, if they don't, you end up having to have chemotherapy to get them down to zero. Um, it's just, it, it's a, it's a horrendous thing. Um, <laughs> you can't heal because the bandaid is being ripped off constantly. Right. Um, and at the time, um, so this was, uh, this was after my second child, but before my, my third living child, um, at the time I had five pregnant friends. Oh my gosh. And oh, it, it was, it was horrible. We had, uh, we were, we'd moved. Um, and so we were in an area where I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have any family. Um, I had two small children. Uh, it, it was, it was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I was plagued by horrible, horrible nightmares. I was afraid to go to sleep. Um, I went cold Turkey off of the uh, painkillers and the muscle relaxers after I found myself wondering how I might be able to get more if my doctor wouldn't prescribe them to me. And I kind of dove down that rabbit hole and figured out that people like that end up hooked on heroin. And I was like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe not, maybe let's not do that. Uh, yeah. I went cold Turkey on that. And that made, that made things much worse uh, in the short run. Uh, yeah. It was dreadful. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially the, the not being able to sleep, like not only mm -hmm. for our, our physical and mental health, sleep is really important. That's when our bodies do all of their healing. Mm -hmm. Um, so to be plagued by nightmares and night terrors when you're mm -hmm. trying to heal is very counterproductive. Yes. And also like for me, from when my depression gets really bad, that's all I want to do is sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I, where I hide out. Mm -hmm. So not being able to sleep while, you know, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was dreadful. The, the nightmares I had were, um, were terrifying. Um, like literally, um, the, the worst one was a, a giant pulsing blob, um, that just was like trying to consume me and you could tell that it was like suffering and, and angry. And, and, and I mean, the, the, the Freud would have had a, a heyday with something <laughs> like that. Right. Um, but I was terrified to go to sleep because I knew that I was going to be plunged into those kind of, you know, dreadful nightmares. Uh, and it took months, uh, before I, uh, stopped having nightmares. Right. So you're not only trying to physically heal from the, all of the stuff they're putting you through from the, yes. from the DNC, from all of the tests, from mm -hmm. all of the everything, but also emotionally, like you, you thought you were pregnant and found mm -hmm. out that it wasn't viable mm -hmm. and then having to go through all of that on top of it. Plus your hormones are absolutely oh, yeah. out of whack. Yeah. Yeah. Like. God, no wonder, like even more it's so just, it's, and I, and I, when we're in these places and we're thinking like, I just don't want to be in here anymore. I don't want to deal with all of this. It's too much. Mm -hmm. And 
It is. And, but we don't want to tell anybody, but really it is too much. Like nobody Mm -hmm. should be going through those things. And yeah, so I, I totally understand, but I also totally understand why. And I don't know why we have that part of our brain that says, I should be able to get through this without a problem. Like you, you shouldn't like that is, Mm -hmm. that is a lot to deal with. Plus you have two little kids at home already. Yeah. Yep. Like, and uh, a husband, thankfully, like whatever. <laughs> thankfully their dad was still healthy at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and he was, uh, you know, at, at that point he was, he was a, he was a wonderful, wonderful husband at, at that point in time. Um, and he did everything, you know, he took care of me. He came, he went to work, he came home, make sure the kids were fed and put them to bed and, and did the housework and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I was not without support, um, but I was in a situation where I just didn't have, you know, I didn't have any close friends. I had acquaintances and I had no family around other than, you know, him. Um, and so that was, that was really hard, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So what got you through that? What made you want to, to stay and um, not well, take all the pills I <laughs> other than the heroin? <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, um, I mean, it, it was, it was not wanting to leave my kids without a mom really um otherwise as i was driving home from the from the uh doctor's office which was a, a dreadful experience as well uh the day that i got the news um i you know i'm like looking longingly at at concrete walls and stuff as i'm driving home like I, you know i could just go fast enough and it would just it'd be over in in a in a split second but then you know my bit of twisted irreverence uh inside me is like yeah but becky would it really be over or would you really just screw yourself up completely but not completely enough that you didn't know that you'd done it you know so Mm. i'd be twitching mess but i'd still have the cognitive ability to know that i did this to myself but nothing else and so i'm like yeah maybe not um (laughs) but really it, it was my kids um you know i did not want to leave them without a mother and that's still true um in my current circumstances, as as I've you know watched this man that I have loved for thirty years just descend into a an unrecognizable version of himself, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a tragic waste. It's it's horrifying and horrible and stuff. But I still have a minor child uh, that I have to raise. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I'm, and my other two, my other two are grown. And so I'm like, oh, they'll get over it. But, you know, I mean, they, they wouldn't, um, you know, so it, it's, yeah, it's, they still need you, even though, you know, yeah. they have significant others and are, are building right. their own lives. So. You know, we all still need our moms for as long as possible. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it's my, it's my kids and maybe a little bit of cowardice. Um, you know, like I don't like pain. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anybody that does, but I have a particularly low tolerance for pain. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to inflict p- more pain on myself. I just want the stuff that, you know, that I'm going through to stop. Exactly. Um, you know, and that's, that's what we talk about over and over. And when everybody tells their stories, they're like, I didn't, I don't necessarily want to die. I don't necessarily want to hurt myself. I just need whatever this is that's going on in my life to stop, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and the, what seems like the easiest way to do that a lot of times is to just remove ourselves from the situation mm-hmm. that one action seems like 
it's a lot easier than changing all of the other stuff that's going on in our lives. For sure. But that is totally not true for anybody Mm -hmm. who's listening. It is totally not true. Um, And sometimes all it takes is just one little change in the situation that will then snowball into other bigger changes. Right. So yeah. what did what did you do to to help yourself heal and recover and and get back to yourself? So um in in 2007 when my molar pregnancy happened, my old my older two kids were 5 and 8. Um and I had to go in for this DNC. Now I had had a DNC before after my son was born when I didn't deliver all of the placenta and started bleeding again heavily after his birth. That one I recovered from very quickly and easily. This one, um, I didn't want, I felt violated. Um, Mm. you know, I just, I was just really angry and, and sad and I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I felt forced into doing it. Um, and so as I was getting prepped for, for the surgery, um, I started picking at the IV line, um, to, just to give, give myself some physical pain to, to kind of numb out that emotional pain. Um, and I just was fascinated with the way that the blood was kind of trickling down my arm. I mean, it was, it was, I was out of my mind. Um, and, and my husband was horrified. He, he, he called over a nurse and he's like, you know, you need to knock her out or something, make her stop doing that. Um, and they had asked for my consent to do a a transfusion, um, if I needed one, I was like, no. And he's like, yes. Um, you know, she's not in any, in any shape, you know, to, uh, to do this, um, to be making so, informed decisions about her own health. <laughs> and, uh, afterward that DNC, it was, it was weeks before I felt physically normal again, never mind emotionally normal. I, I it, it was, it really gutted me. I, I think that I probably came close to needing a, a transfusion. I didn't need one, mm. but, um, I, I was like, Holy crap, this is so much worse than the last, you know, the last time I'd gone through this. So physically, um, I was a wreck emotionally. I was a wreck and I, I stayed there for a good long while. I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be sad. I wanted to be angry. Um, but I realized that at some point, my husband's ability to be compassionate and understanding was going to wear out um, because nobody can sustain that level of care and concern for somebody else when they aren't trying to get better. You know, like if he's not seeing me try to get better um, at some point, he's going to have to put our kids well-being above mine Mm -hmm. and his own well-being above mine um, in order to, you know, take care of them, which is exactly what I had to do with him, you know, all these years later when he was devolving, I was like, you know, our kids have to come first. Yeah. Um, and I, so I saw that he wasn't going to be able to sustain that level of care and concern for me if I didn't start trying to get better. And I didn't want my family to fall apart. And so that's what, that's what kicked me into gear. And my strategy uh, for doing that, I figured out very quickly that if I thought about the future at all, it sent me into a panic attack and um, very, you know, like my imagination was just laying all sorts of worst case scenarios that sounded perfectly plausible to me inside my head. You know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, nodding your head. Um, and it, it would it would just send me spiraling. And so I had to be very diligent about my self-talk and sometimes initially out loud, okay, 
Let's not go there. What do we need to do in the next 30 seconds to make it through the next 30 seconds? Okay, do that. And sometimes it was just breathe in, breathe out, you know, and, and it, that was it. Or sometimes it was, oh, I need to go make my kids a sandwich. Okay, go make the kids a sandwich. Focus on, you know, spreading the peanut butter and, and slapping the bread together. Um, and eventually uh, it turned into, you know, what do I need to do in the next half hour? What do I need to do in the next day? What do I need to do in the next week? And gradually with a lot of discipline um, and keeping my thoughts focused on the here and now, because the here and now isn't as bad as you think it is, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're perfectly fine right now. Perfectly fine right now. Your own brain and your own thoughts are what's causing your, you know, most of your suffering. Um, as long as I did that, I was okay. And I gradually got better and better and better. And I had more and more and more better days. Um, it's the hardest work I've ever done in my life though, to heal when all I wanted to do was be angry and sad. And I'm right back there again, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm right back to having to control my thoughts and be very diligent about where I allow them to go. And, um, it's not easy. It, it's, it's, it's really exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. Um, but you know, do I, what do I want my kids to, to see, you know, do I want my kids to see this is how you do it? Or do I want them to go, Ooh, you know, uh, mom's not doing so hot. Um, this is not how you want to handle these things. Um, and so that's, that's what, I, that's what I've chosen to do and, and why I've chosen to do it and how I've chosen to do it. Um, it takes a certain level of awareness, of self-awareness and reflection. It takes a lot of discipline and it takes the willingness to accept that you are causing a lot of your own suffering and people who want to stay mired in victim mode don't want to acknowledge that. Yes. Yes. That is huge. That is huge. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we all know people like that who <laughs> love to, bitch and complain about everyone and everything and how terrible mm -hmm. their life is, but they don't do anything to make it right. better. And, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and, and so, yeah, that takes a huge amount of insight to be, you know, yes, a lot of times we're in terrible circumstances, mm -hmm. but also how much of that are we blaming on external circumstances, you know, and how much of it is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and right. sometimes it's a very small percent. Sometimes, you know, we really are the victim of the situation, mm -hmm. but we can still choose to exactly to do something yeah. about that. And exactly. we can choose how to, how we react to things. And the things, the stories that we tell ourselves about it, you know, at, yeah. in, in my current situation, um, you know, I couldn't, I can't do anything about this. You know, I, I don't have any control over my ex-husband doing, you know, what he's done, um, no matter how much it breaks my heart, um, because it does, you know, he, mm -hmm. he was a good man and we had 23 really good years together. Um, and you know, I, I can't control it. I can't change it. I can't even influence it at all. I can only make the decision to save myself and our kid. Um, but in where it becomes my responsibility, you know, it, when, when I want to be angry and I want to be sad and I want to feel sorry for myself, then, then I go to, you know, I've got some go-to thoughts. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to be alone forever. Um, and no one's ever going to love me ever again. Uh, I'm never going to be able to trust anybody ever again, you know, all that, all that stuff. And that causes me suffering. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know where to go if I want to punish myself. Um, 
but that's my that's my fault you know those are the things that i'm choosing to tell myself and they haven't even happened yet you know i mean (laughs) i'm not even I, i don't even i'm not even even the slightest bit interested in another relationship right now you know, right. I, I need to, I need to heal from this one and I need to focus on our youngest daughter. Yeah. Um, those are my priorities. So I don't even know why my brain wants to go, oh, you're going to be alone forever. Nobody's going to love you, Becky. Um, because it's not even a thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, was talking to somebody the other day. I can't remember what the conversation was, but it was about, oh yeah, now I remember it was yesterday when I was getting my hair done and I was talking to my hairstylist and about, you know, people who, who choose to be victims and like, it takes a lot to, yes, healing is, is hard work and it's exhausting, but it also is hard work to stay miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, we are entitled to feel angry and to feel sad, but n- we don't want to get stuck there. And we don't, right. though, we don't want those to be the only emotions that we feel mm-hmm. at some point. It's good to say, this is enough. I want better mm-hmm. for myself Absolutely. and I want better for my kids. If you have kids or, yep. you know, whoever you are sharing your life with, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have a strategy for that too. <laughs> uh, that one that I had started started employing with my daughter, with my youngest daughter, um, and I call it the pity party. Um, and and the pity party is great because the things that you tell yourself inside your head, you know, like I'm going to be alone forever. Nobody's ever going to love me anymore. Or when with in my daughter's case, she has she needs to make some changes to her diet mm-hmm. um, because her her current diet is uh, causing her some distress. Um, and she doesn't want to, she really doesn't want to. And so I'm like, okay, play this out with me, Jillian. Let's, let's just make this a pity party. Like, you know, it's, it's the worst thing ever. Okay. So you have to change your diet. What's going to happen? Oh, I'm never going to want to eat anything again. Okay. All right. So yeah, you're never going to want to eat anything. What else? Lay it on. Come on, let's get it all out. Uh, okay. Well, everything that I can eat with this new diet is going to be terrible. It's not going to taste good at all. And okay, keep going. And it's going to take forever to cook. And so I don't want to cook at all. Okay, keep going. You know, just take it out. And and by the end, by the time I had drawn all of the worst case scenarios out of her, it was so ridiculous and so absurd that she was laughing. And all of the power of that was. I love that. Um, and and I use that with myself all the time. And actually, I I have I have contemplated offering pity parties. You know, <laughs> come in here, come in here, and I'm not going to fix you. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you. Just pray or be grateful or God won't give you more than you can handle or any of those other awful, horrible cliches that you know aren't helpful at all. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you make it as bad as it can possibly be, so you can see that it's not actually that bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, there's a, a woman author, healer, thought leader, or I don't know what to classify her as her name is Byron Katie. Yep. And, um, she I'm has familiar. something called the work. That's just yep. what it's called. I'm and it's very similar it. to that, where mm-hmm. it's like, you write out all these things and you're like, but is it true? And then yeah. like this bad statement, is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, 
And if it is like, and you just keep working through it, but in a very similar manner where yep. you just uh, like, okay, but is it actually true? And right. the same is when you just say, instead of keeping all of this, these mm-hmm. negative thoughts and, and ideas inside, once we put them out and show them the light of day, they tend not to be quite so powerful anymore. Right. That, that's, that's exactly it. You know, I, I don't, I'm not going to, I wouldn't, when I do my own pity party or when I'm, when I'm doing this with my daughter, it's not about whether it's true. Like, I, I don't care whether it's true or not. I just care to get it out, you know, and, and make it embellish it, make it terrible. You know, it, it, it's in line of, I don't know if you've heard of Existential Kink, the book Existential Kink. No. It's cool. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it, for anybody with a slightly sick, twisted sense of humor, a um, little bit, little bit cynical, maybe Existential Kink is fabulous. It, it's the idea that we get off on our own misery. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, it resonates really powerfully with me. Um, and so it, it's put you put on your best Disney villainous voice and tell yourself all of the worst things that you can possibly tell yourself about this situation and how you feel and get it out because it's controlling you while it's while it's not out don't examine it too much just just get it out exactly elaborate embellish feel take glee and delight in it and then it's done yeah you're bored with it because then it's like okay (laughs) yeah I love it I love it um yeah hey thank you this was a great conversation there's got so many little I got so many little nuggets out of it and I hope our listeners do too is there any last words of wisdom you would like to share oh gosh any last minute words of wisdom um I don't know be too stubborn to be a victim Ooh, I like that that's me you know, I mean, I, I can, I can enjoy be feeling like a victim and feeling sorry for myself in a pity party for a little while, but ultimately I'm too stubborn to let someone or something get the best of me. It's not going to happen. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and your courage um, yeah. to share your story and yeah. the wisdom that you've shared with our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember that you are loved, you are worthy, you are valuable, you are meant for more, and that it really does get better. If you are in crisis, there are numbers that you can call or text to get the help that you need. That information for Canada and the U.S. is in the description below each episode. If you are in immediate crisis, please call 911. We love you, and I hope you'll listen again.